Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Well, I want to welcome you this weekend to the third part of the series, Uncommon. Have you guys been enjoying this? Uh, you know, this series is about, uh, it's about the heart of Generation Church. There's an uncommon thing that God has been doing right here in your church in, in just a short few, six years since we planted Generation Church. And so uh, the, the, the heart behind this series is that there are common things in life. And if you have what's common, you, you have what everybody has. But the uncommon things in life, if you can get a hold of those, you have what few people have. And so I want to help us through this series to, to not just have what everybody has, but to get out of the kingdom of God those uncommon things, the things that few people walk in. And so I'm excited that you're here this weekend. Can we welcome those joining us by video? So glad you guys have tuned in. And we want to invite you to be a part of a service live and in person uh, right here at Generation Church. Just don't come to the 11 because there are no seats left. You got to come to the 9, just so you know. Um, all right, so Uncommon, we started this series and we were talking about uncommon honor, that you honor up and down and all around. It's easy to honor up. It's easy to honor. It's common to honor those people who are in authority and the pretty people of the world. But it's uncommon to be able to honor your peers. It's uncommon to be able to honor those underneath you. And uh, when we get into that place of uncommon, common honor, not just people above us, but those beneath us and around us, we begin to see uncommon results. We talked about uncommon excellence, that it's easy to see the world's level of excellence, but God's level of excellence is different. It's the excellence of his excellency. He is the epitome of excellence. And uh, the world's excellence is common, but God's excellence is uncommon. And it produces uncommon results in our lives. And so this weekend, I want to talk to you about uncommon anointing. The anointing of God is um, its a very misunderstood topic, and people have taught incorrectly about the anointing of God, and some people have taught correctly about it today. We want to teach you the correct uh, things about the anointing of God. The anointing of God, by its very definition, is just simply the power of God. Uh, there's kind of this tendency in Christian circles to, to, to say that, well, the anointing of God is something kind of spooky, right? And the spookier it is, the more anointed it is, or, or the more powerful it is, you know? And, uh, and so I want to dispel some of those myths and, and get us out of this place of, of seeing the the power of God in an unhealthy fashion. So the anointing of God or the power of God is common to all people who are born again. When you get born again, you are anointed. You have every bit of anointing the second you get born again that you will ever have. You can't get more. You can't get less. You have God's power living on the inside of you. So what gives us uncommon anointing? Well, the anointing is common among all believers, but what's uncommon is for the people who begin to abide in the anointing. The people who understand the power that resides on the inside of them and begin to open up their heart, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and begin to release that power of God. To begin to allow the, 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 the power that raised Jesus from the dead that lives on the inside of you to begin to affect the world around you. That is uncommon anointing. That we would begin to see the miraculous of the kingdom of God operate in us and 
through us. Now, see, what has happened in the world is, especially the Christian world, is, is we've kind of got a misconception about what anointing or the power of God is and who actually has that. Uh, there's kind of a misconception that the spookier you are, the more anointed you are. And, and the, the, the more time you get on Christian television, the more anointed you are, and the, and the bigger the vein pops out on the front of your head when you preach, ha, the more anointed you are. And if you can jerk like a chicken, ha, while you preach, and I've never seen my seed begging bread, ha, and you know, all those kind of things. And we begin to equate culture to power. We begin to equate a person's personality to the power of God. And we begin, if we're not careful, to dictate the power that raised Jesus from the grave that resides on the inside of you. We begin to dictate the use of God's power based on a culture, based on a personality, based on a position. And what happens is the people who are in those positions, they get pushed into a pulpit. And the people who are not in those positions, they get pushed into the pew. And you end up having this dichotomy between those who are anointed and powerful and those who are not. And here's the reality of the kingdom of God is, is Carlos is as anointed as Randy, as me, as Lou, as Linda, as Steve, as, as TJ Birmingham. Every single one of you have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The only difference between any of us is how well we allow that door to open. Jesus talked about in John 7, 37, that river of living water that flows out of your belly. Some of us need to learn how to open that door and allow that river of water to flow out of our lives and realize and recognize that the power of God is in you. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to preach hot like a preacher. You don't have to jerk like a chicken. You don't have to do any of those things that we equate to the anointing of God. As a matter of fact, I don't even see those things in Scripture. See, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 16. He said that I only speak what the Father says, and the Holy Spirit only speaks what I say. So as we begin to learn about the anointing of God, the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit of God only speaks what Jesus says, and Jesus is the Word made flesh. Meaning this, if you want to understand how the power of God should operate in your life, you don't need to watch Christian TV, and I'm not mad at Christian TV. But you don't need to watch somebody on a podcast. You don't need to see the best of the best preachers to understand how the anointing works. You just need to read it in the Bible. Because the scripture becomes the framework. The Holy Spirit doesn't do anything that the word Jesus doesn't say. And Jesus doesn't do or say anything that the Father hasn't already said. And what I find interesting about this is in our circles, we sometimes equate more to what we see other people do to truth than what we see in the word of God. And somebody will have a great personality, and they'll preach in leather pants, and we just think, who in the world can wear leather pants in front of people? They've got to be anointed. <laughs> They've got to have the power of God. And we miss that the power of God is not about how we act. The power of God is not regulated by a personality. The power of God is not regulated by a culture. The power of God is not regulated by people. 
See, I, when I first started to understand about the anointing of God, the power of God, I learned a lot of things from a lot of people. We grew up in a big church that had people from every corner of Christian television that came through and preached there. And we saw God do a lot of miraculous things, but we also saw a lot of people do a lot of stupid things and a lot of crazy things. And, and, and I, I wasn't, as a young man in ministry, I, I wasn't sure what the truth was. And I was getting my doctrine based on people and not based on the word. And I see that in our modern day society that a lot of us are, are learning about the power and presence of God based on what we see in a culture as opposed to what we see in scripture. And the Holy Spirit doesn't operate based on a culture. He operates based on the word of God. He does what Jesus says. See, I'm a chemist by trade and I'm kind of a scientific person just in my, my makeup. And when I was in Bible college, I started to really study about the power of God. It, it intrigued me that there was power available to the people of God that would actually bend or break the laws of physics. The laws of physics were something to me that I, I was well studied on. I, I thought, this is how the world works. But, but then to find out that, that there was this thing called the anointing that, that superseded the laws, the natural laws of this world, I was drawn to that. And I was trying to study from every angle and learn all I could about the anointing of God. I remember one time Melissa and I were, um, were on our way to church. How many of you guys ever had a fight? Ever had a fight with your spouse? Well, Melissa beats me up pretty regularly. And, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Melissa and I were, were actually on our way to church one morning. It's been a couple years ago. And uh, we, we had a major fight. I couldn't even tell you what we were fighting about. Uh, but we were sitting in the back parking lot in our car, and, uh, and I, I'm thinking, there's, there's no way I can walk into this place and deliver an anointed message to these people. After what we have just talked about and went through, and our emotions are running high, and we're still mad at each other, and, and all of those top five for us, top five fights of our marriage. And I'm back there, and I, I'm just, because I had learned about the power of God incorrectly, and, and I'm back there just imploding inside because there's no way I can go through that and come in here and preach a word that ministers to each individual person. There, there's no way I can be a mouthpiece for God having said the things that I just said. There, there's no way that I can connect with the people of God. How, how can I be anointed coming out of this? And so we called up uh, our marriage counselor. We have a guy, you guys know Chip Judd. He comes and ministers here uh, once a year. And uh, we have a marriage counselor not because we have a bad marriage, but we have a marriage counselor because we want to make our marriage better. And so we speak with Chip a lot. And, uh, and so I called Chip and I told him what was going on. And I threw Melissa under the bus and, and all that good stuff. And, um, and, and I told Chip, I said, Chip, how can I walk in there and stand in front of those people and deliver an anointed message to them? And there was a long pause on the phone. And Chip asked me a question. He said, do you really think that what you have done dictates what God is going to do? He said, Ben, do you realize how arrogant it is to think that you control the flow of God's power to those people? Do you not understand, Ben, that God is going to anoint you to preach that word for them despite what you have or have not done? And I began to realize all of a sudden that the anointing of God is not fragile. 
That the anointing of God is God's purpose and plan for each individual, each person. And, and when we get into a place where we think that culture or flashiness or big personalities or any of those things that we dictate to anointing, we think that those things dictate God's move and God's power. We have ended up in a very dangerous position. Every single one of you are anointed by God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of the temple of the Holy Spirit that you are, you have issues. And you have problems. And you have things that you are working on. And what the devil tries to tell you is that in the midst of your issues, problems, and things that you're working on, you cannot be anointed. That you cannot have the power of God touch somebody's life. What's ironic about it is a lot of the people that we call anointed have horrible internal lives, have issues and messes beyond belief. And they stand before people and we cheer them on and clamor around them and put them on a pedestal. And the reality is many of their lives are a wreck. The anointing of God, the gifts and callings of God, Romans eleven twenty nine, are without repentance. The only person that walked this planet with the anointing and power of God that did not make mistakes was Jesus. The disciples made mistakes, yet God anointed them. Normal people, full of mistakes, like Philip, Stephen, they weren't part of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. God worked through them. Apollos, plenty of people through Scripture, God anointed and we've got to learn how to break down this misconception. We look at somebody like Billy Graham and say, I could never be as anointed as Billy Graham. Billy Graham is no different than any single person in this place. He has the same anointing you have. You have the same anointing he has. The only difference between Billy Graham and the rest of us is Billy Graham, he used what was inside of him. He allowed God to work through him and flow through his life. And you can do the same thing. Billy Graham, he just said yes. He just realized that the power of God resided on the inside of him to change the physical world around him, to draw hearts to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this with me for a second because if we as a people of God, we can begin to get this and, and understand this. Imagine if there was a church like Generation Church, five, six, seven, eight hundred people that began to get this idea on the inside of them that I'm anointed of God. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides inside of me. Imagine what could happen if we started to get that understanding. If we started to say, devil, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I want to see what the word has to say. Imagine what we could begin to do in a city. Imagine the, the, the amount of people that God would work through us to help. Imagine the, miracle, the miracles and the miraculous and signs and wonders and the things that God wants to work through your very hands and your very fingertips. We've all been anointed at salvation. The Bible actually says that he gives you the spirit without measure. The book of John chapter 3. When you give your life to the Lord, he gives you the spirit of God without 
measure. We used to sing this song, and you guys may remember this, growing up. It, it was more love, more power. Anybody remember that song? Should I sing it for you? No, I'm not going to do that. The, the Lord might leave this church if I began to sing that song. Um, you know, th- that song is scripturally inaccurate. There is no more love, and there is no more power. You have all the love, and you have all the power that you're going to get. You just need to learn how to open the door and let the power of God flow out of your life. You are anointed. First John chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, you have an unction from the Holy One. Skip down verse 27. And the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. You don't need to get it from Christian TV. You don't need to mimic a pastor or a person. You don't need to learn it from a culture. You don't need anybody to teach you how to exercise the power of God in your life because the Holy Spirit, the same anointing, teaches you concerning all things. And it is true. And it is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. It's common to be anointed. We're all anointed. It's uncommon to learn how to abide in the anointing. It's uncommon to learn how to allow the anointing to flow through your life to affect people. You are a Christian, which means you are an anointed one. Now, Jesus, in the book of Luke chapter 4, he does something very interesting. He begins to talk about the anointing of God, and he starts to quote this scripture out of Isaiah 61. Jesus stands up after his baptism, and the Holy Spirit has descended on him as a dove and remained. Now, Jesus was the first of the anointed ones. He is the anointed one. Christ is not his last name. It means anointed one. Jesus was the first of many, and you, all of you, are just one of many. Many. Every single one of you are anointed. And Jesus stood up that day, and he read out of the book of Isaiah, and this is what he said, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim, verse 19, the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, you could take that scripture and you could read it like this. The Spirit Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Because he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. You are to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And you are to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. See, the Bible tells us that we are joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you, you go. The disciples, they came back, the 70 came back, and they were astonished. And they said, Jesus, we don't get it. How is it that demons come out at at our command? And how is it that the, the lame walk and the blind see? How is it that people are getting healed? I thought you were the one who turned water into wine. I thought you were the one who healed people. They were amazed, the 70. It wasn't just the 12. This was the 70. They came back, and they were amazed. Because we're joint heirs with Jesus. He has given us the same power that raised him from the dead. So I want to unpack Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. If you're following along in your notes, 
Jesus said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Not only the financially poor, but the spiritually poor. Those of us who in our lives are spiritually in a negative balance. See, we are, are the body of Christ, the children of God, the joint heirs of God's son, joint heirs with Jesus, and we are to preach that gospel. You are anointed to share the gospel. It's not the pastor's job to share the gospel with your friends and family. It's the pastor's job to train you for the work of the ministry, Ephesians chapter 4. We've kind of got this mixed up a little bit that, that it's only the anointed ones that do the anointed things. It's not just the people on TV. It's not just the people who stand on a stage. The real power comes in the mass of people that sit in a weekend service with the potential of the Holy Spirit and God's power resting on the inside of them. I don't know your friends. I don't know your family. I don't know the people you work with. It's physically impossible. There are not enough hours, seconds, minutes in a day, week, year, or my lifetime to connect with the people in your orbit. You are anointed to share the gospel with those people. And see, this is the thing when, when Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to pre preach the gospel to the poor. What Jesus is saying there is that the Lord has anointed me and you to do a calling to complete a task, to engage in a purpose, and to engage in our destiny. Every single person in this room and on this planet that calls Jesus king is supposed to preach the gospel. See, the anointing that separated Jesus to preach the gospel is what validated him for the ministry. And when God anointed you at salvation, he validated you. You may not feel anointed, but you are anointed. You may not know that you're anointed, but you are anointed. God validated you when he gave you his spirit. God validated you and separated you for a work. You're not just supposed to come and be a part of the church. You are to come and be the church. God has so much in store for each and every single one of you. It is not someone else's responsibility. It is each individual person's responsibility. You are anointed to share the gospel. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's not a pastor's mandate or an evangelist's mandate. That's your mandate. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit anoints you. And your first purpose is to share Jesus with people. Number two, you are anointed to restore the broken. Jesus said this, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The anointing is God's empowerment for healing and restoration. And it's not just for Jesus, and it's not just for the apostles of the Lamb. It wasn't just for Paul. It wasn't just for Peter. It's for you. It's not just for Billy Graham or anybody else. You are mandated by God because you carry the same purpose, separation, and validation as Jesus. God wants to work through you to heal people. I, I love it when you read through the book of Acts. These guys were so excited. The Bible says in Acts 17, 6, that they turned their world, the known world, upside down. They didn't turn the world upside down because they were special. 
They didn't turn the world upside down because they were something different than you. They turned the world upside down because they opened up their hearts and they let the power of God affect the people around them. They allowed the power of God to flow through their lives. When they laid their hands on people, they believed in faith. There was power there because the word promised it. Jesus promised it. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. And you will be endowed with power from on high. Empowered. Your mandate is to go and lay hands on sick people. Your mandate is to go to the hospitals and pray for those who are clinging to the edge of life. Your mandate is to go and to pray for those whose marriages are falling apart, whose lives are in financial ruin. Your mandate is to find some young person who's cutting themselves and struggling in life and heal that broken heart. God has anointed you to heal the brokenhearted. It's uncommon for people to live and walk in that. But you can do it. You can step into what God has for you. We were, uh, we were next door worshiping um, in the new auditorium a couple weeks ago, just kind of preparing for the space, and Pastor Sean was leading us. And, and someone was there, and she, st- she shared a scripture with the group. She said, Pastor Ben, I, I, was, I was just worshiping and praying, and the Lord just, he just showed me this vision. I, I saw these stony hearts walking through the doors of this new auditorium. And, and they were just kind of walking in, and there was just hearts of stone. And, and as they walk in, the stone began to crack and break off, and, and those stony hearts began to be replaced with, with hearts of flesh. And she shared Ezekiel chapter 36, and she said, I just see God working through us in this space to heal broken hearts. And the way we're going to heal broken hearts is when each and every one of us realize the power that lives inside of you. When each and every one of us begin to release the power that lives inside of you to restore the brokenhearted. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, it says, How God anointed Jesus, our joint heir. If he anointed Jesus, he anointed us. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. You just have to take a step of faith, and God will work through you to heal people. I think I've told this story before, but we've seen people be healed all over the place. Normal people praying for folks, God healing them supernaturally. I have a stack of testimonies on my desk right now of people that God has supernaturally healed. He didn't heal them through me. God's power is present to change a generation. My own brother was healed of a a heart condition that the doctors couldn't fix. There was a girl one time in our kids' church in Virginia. She was deaf and she was mute. She had never spoken a word and she had never heard a sound. And before our very eyes, right there in front of three, 4,000 people, the Lord supernaturally healed her. And in front of our eyes, we saw her hear her first sounds, and the Lord began to teach her how to speak right there. We all knew this girl. She began to say her first words and hear herself for the very first time. And see, that is the kind of thing that God wants each and every one of you operating in, that you would trust God that the anointing that he gave you is there. It's accessible. It's part of your covenant 
as a joint heir with Jesus, to restore the broken. Jesus said this, to proclaim liberty to the captives. So you are anointed to proclaim freedom. So you are anointed to proclaim that people who are in bondage do not have to be in bondage any longer. The anointing frees us from the burden of sin. The Bible says this in the book of Isaiah 10 and 27. It says, it shall come to pass in that day. Well, that day is the day that Jesus came and he fulfilled these things. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden, the devil's burden, would be taken away from your shoulder and his, the devil's yoke, from your neck. And the yoke of sin would be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Do you realize that you walk around with the anointing of God inside of you to destroy the yoke of sin and bondage off of people's lives? When you walk around this city and you talk to people and you see the darkness that resides inside of people's hearts, the separation from God, the hurt, the pain, the turmoil, the the unanswered questions, the, the things that keep people messed up in life, acting out all over the place in pain, Because the yoke of sin lays heavy on their life. And you are the remedy. You are the remedy for that sin bondage for this city. When you open your heart and you say, God, just use me. Just work through me. When you open your mouth and you share the gospel with people, it's the anointed word of God. And as soon as you begin to speak it, bondage begins to be destroyed. Sin begins to be lifted off of people's lives. You are anointed to proclaim freedom to those in bondage. You are anointed to help people see. Jesus said this, I'm here and anointed to give recovery of sight to the blind. Now, I believe that's not only for physical blindness, but also spiritual blindness. Your mandate as a born-again believer, a child of God, a Christian, an anointed one, is that you would share the truth of the kingdom with those who do not yet see it. The Bible says this in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. There are people all around this city who are blind. Spiritually, they don't see. They don't understand the truth of the kingdom. God wants to work through you and the anointing on your life to pull the scales off of their eyes, to help them see the goodness of Jesus, the blessing of the kingdom, to help them even begin to understand the power that resides on the inside of them. You're not just a pawn on the chessboard of life. You are God's people of power. As Peter says, a peculiar people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's own special people called according to his promises for you. To help people see the truth. The anointing teaches us and reveals to us the truth of the kingdom of God. You are anointed to liberate the oppressed. Jesus said to set at liberty those who are oppressed. 
I love this story about Philip. Acts chapter 8 and verse 6. It says the multitudes with one accord, they heeded the things that were spoken by Philip. Just a normal guy like every single one of us in here. Nothing special. They were hearing and they were seeing the the many miracles which he did. Verse 7, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and the lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. There are people walking around with dark hearts. The oppression of the devil upon their lives. Oppressed by the enemy wickedness through whatever entry points or open doors has affected people's lives. I think about those stories in the gospel of people that Jesus delivered from the oppression of the enemy. I think about the young boy who foamed at the mouth and they chained him up and he kept throwing himself in the fire. Do you remember that story? The darkness that must have been on that young boy's life that he would consistently throw himself in the fire. As I read that, it looks like he was having epileptic seizures to me. Like There was just something that overtook this young boy's life. And Jesus came through with compassion, knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit was in his life. And Jesus couldn't walk by and allow that darkness to remain. That's the story of the gospel. And we shouldn't walk by knowing that we carry the cure for the ailments of this world, the ailments of sin, the oppression of the enemy. We shouldn't walk by with that gift of God clutched so tightly and not deliver freedom to people. There are some people in this world, in this city, in your sphere of influence that God has divinely positioned you to deliver freedom to them. Freedom from the oppression of the enemy. And then finally, you are anointed to evidence the kingdom. You are anointed to evidence the kingdom. Jesus said this. He said, I am here to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What is he saying by that? The acceptable year of the Lord. He was saying that I am here. I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit today to proclaim to you that things have changed. That the old covenant has been fulfilled and that the new covenant that is built on better promises is available to you today. Jesus was proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord that the bondage that had kept millions of people in in chains for all those centuries was going to be broken. See, the acceptable year of the Lord is, is known as the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was when all of the slaves that were in bondage were given freedom. The year of Jubilee is when all the debts that people had were paid. The year of Jubilee is when people who had land that somebody else owned or, or there were um, contracts that needed to be fulfilled. The year of Jubilee is when everything that was wrong was righted. And that's what Jesus came to do. He stood up and he said, I'm anointed of God to proclaim and evidence that the kingdom is here. To some degree, if we're not careful, we'll continue to live like we're in the Old Testament. And we don't realize that the power of God and that the kingdom of God is here now. 
that Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, that he triumphed over evil and powered over evil, principalities and power. He walked over it, Colossians 2 and 15, and he triumphed over the power of the enemy. But if we're not careful, we'll live like the enemy still has power when we have the power. Live a lie. You have the power of God, the anointing of God in your life. Proclaim that. When somebody comes and says, I have cancer, don't say, I'm sorry to hear that. Say, in Jesus' name, that cancer must go. When somebody comes to you and says, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do. In Jesus' name, your best days are ahead of you. When somebody comes to you and says, I just don't know how I'm going to continue in life, you pull that person aside and you begin to show them that they have purpose and destiny, that God has a plan for their lives. You have the power of God on the inside of you. You are to, are to do the same things that Jesus did. That's what he told us, John chapter 12, verse 35. He said, these works that I've done, you're going to do them. Not only are you going to do these works, you're going to do greater works. That's uncommon anointing. A group of people that take God at his word. He said this in the book of 2 Corinthians. I quote it all the time. I just want to read it to you. First, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him are amen. Verse 21, now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us, and he is God. And he has sealed us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. What are you going to do with the power that resides on the inside of you? Are you going to change your generation? Are you going to make your life count for God? Or are you going to turn a blind eye to it? You have that choice. We have a choice in this church to make a mark on eternity. We have an opportunity in this church. God's already doing uncommon things. We have an opportunity in this church to see what the the church of Acts saw. We have an opportunity to see God do miracles. We have an opportunity to see God completely revolutionize people's lives. We have an opportunity to reach this world from this little town. What are you going to do with your opportunity? Close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to show us the power of the anointing of God that resides on the inside of us. Open our eyes, God. If you're here today and as I preach this message, there's just something inside of you that's just stirring. The Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart and there's something inside of you that says, I want to walk in what God gave me. I I want to walk in the anointing that God has given me. I I don't want to, to miss those opportunities. I want to begin to access 
and to unleash what God has placed inside of my life. If God's stirring your heart for that, I want to pray for you. Would you lift your hand? Yeah. You put your hands down. I encourage you, 1 John 2 and 27, you don't need anybody to teach you. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you not to learn it from other people. I would encourage you to learn how the Holy Spirit moves and operates from Scripture. And what you read and see in Scripture, allow Him to work in your life. Father, I pray for every single person here who raised their hand. They they want to make an impact in their generation. And I pray, Lord, that from this moment on that the Holy Spirit, you, Holy Spirit, would begin to teach them how to operate, how to move, how to minister, how to pray for people, how to sense what you're trying to do. And I bless you and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Secondly, you're here this weekend and you do not know Jesus. You can't know the power of the anointing of God until you know the power of his resurrection. You don't know Jesus today. You have to have a relationship with him in order to be a person who walks in the power of God. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you know church or religion, but you don't know Jesus. And something on the inside of you is stirring. You've got this question mark inside of you. Maybe you've grown up in church. But you could answer this question with the answer yes. That something inside of you is just drawing you. I want to pray for you today. If that's you, God's drawing you today. Would you look up at me and just make eye contact with me? Thank you. God's drawing you this morning. Thank you, ma'am. don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. Thank you, sir. Anybody else this morning? Maybe you're here today and your relationship with God has veered off course. Today, God is stirring in your heart. You just know, you just sense the Holy Spirit saying, come on, come back. That's you. Would you look up at me? Thank you, sir. Thank you, young man. I want to pray with you. Those of you joining us by video, if God's tugging on your heart, I want to encourage you to pray. In this prayer, receive the Lord into your life so that you can walk in the power that Jesus died to give you. Let's pray this prayer together. Say it nice and loud. Say, Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for my sin. Forgive me of my mistakes. Make me a new creation. Give me your Holy Spirit and anoint me for my generation. I thank you for it. And I will not waste the power that lives inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we welcome our brothers and sisters? So proud of you guys.